What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce Rabbit Hole Recap number 201. First Soul RHR episode on its new stream. Thank you, freaks. Everybody who subscribed to the channel already. We we hit three in the technology section of Apple this week because you guys were so enthusiastic. So we want, Matt and I want to thank you all for your support, subscribing to the show, rating, reviewing, means a lot to us. If you haven't done it yet, maybe think about doing it. It helps a lot. We, we, it would be cool to surpass Lex Friedman in the tech, the tech section of Apple Podcasts. Like it's just RHR is here. TFTC is here. If you're not subscribed to TFTC, either you can go subscribe, rate, review there as well. Great episode. We were joined by Jack Mallers. Matt and Jack are wrapping up their week in Oslo, Norway, where they participated in the Human Rights Foundation Oslo Freedom Forum event thrown by Alex Gladstein and the Human Rights Foundation. Some very powerful stories coming out of that event. Uh, very different structure to RHR this week, but an incredible episode nonetheless. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall for me as I speak. If you freaks are looking to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. You got to do the concierge onboarding with Unchained Capital. You got to take control of your Bitcoin keys and because it's, it's a key step to improving your security, but also a big responsibility. Extreme ownership when it comes to Bitcoin. Even with a single, hard, single hardware wallet, it's easy to worry about coins being lost or stolen. This is why Unchained can help. Unchained offers concierge onboarding, a personalized service to help guide you from a Bitcoin security beginner to a pro. If you want to go pro, you're going to need Unchained. Okay, They're going to have video calls with you. A member of their team will help you set up the multi-sig cold storage, even if you've never held your own keys before. If you're out there, you're a high net worth individual, you're a business that wants to control your own keys, you've never done it before, you're worried, you're thinking, oh, this is a big step doing this. No, not a big step. Unchained is here with their concierge onboarding to hold your hand, to make sure you're as comfortable as possible. They're going to ship you hardware wallets as well. They're going to get you everything that's required. Once you've completed the onboarding, Unchained is going to continue providing you with close guidance and support to help you get comfortable with your new vault setup. If you ever need to improve your Bitcoin security but have been putting it off, concierge onboarding is a simple way to get started with confidence. Okay, book your onboarding today at unchained.com slash concierge at checkout. Get $50 off with the promo code TFTC. And then go check out everything else Unchained has to offer at unchained.com. But the concierge service is unchained.com slash concierge. This rope was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Hope you're running Brains OS Plus firmware right now. Ash price is low. Price is falling. We did have a downward difficulty adjustment this week, minus 4%. We weren't able to mention it in the episode because we didn't get to Clark's dashboard, but learning that in the ad read. This is why you got to listen to the ad reads to get alpha. Uh, brains, if you're running Brains OS Plus firmware and you're a miner, you're probably feeling better than those who are not because Brains OS Plus firmware allows you to stack more sats with your hash so you're more profitable than people running the same ASIC but not running Brains OS Plus firmware on it. Basically, the firmware finds the, the high frequency 
hashing boards, hashing chips on the hashing board and focuses uh, the electricity on those areas. So you produce more hashes and therefore more sats. It's an auto-tuning firmware. Not only does it do, do that, helps with fan control and minor management if you're running a farm. It's an incredible thing. Go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com and find out if your ASIC is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware. And if it is, I would download it. If you're not, you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. The Brains team also has insights.brains.com, which is a one-stop shop for all your mining data needs. Figure out what's going on. And they have a blog. I think the Brains team is going to be here in a couple weeks. We're going to have some of them come through the stew. A lot, a lot brewing at brains and those brains and that witch's brew trying to make you more profitable as a miner. Make sure you sign up if you haven't already. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. The Baltic Honey Badger Conference is back. BalticHoneyBadger.com I believe is the website. Let me triple check. But that's going on September 3rd and 4th in Riga, Latvia. Uh, the High Signal Conference is back, baby. It's back. It is BalticHoneyBadger.com. September 3rd and 4th in Riga, Latvia. You're going to have some of the most high-signal Bitcoin content condensed into two days. It's actually a whole week. There will be events leading up to the conference in Riga and after. So if you want to make a little trip to the Baltic, I highly recommend it. I went in 2018, had an extremely good time, learned a lot. Uh, Again, one of the most high-signal conferences of the year. I will be there September 3rd, 4th, Riga, Latvia, Bitcoin, Honey Badger, 2022. The team behind it, Hoddle Hoddle, also runs lend.hoddlehoddle.com, which is a peer-to-peer lending platform. No KYC, no AML. Use your Bitcoin as collateral to get liquidity. They have hoddlehoddle.com as well, which is a peer-to-peer exchange. No KYC, no AML. Go check out everything they have going on. For the Baltic Honey Badger, baltichoneybadger.com. Hoddle Hoddle, go to hoddlehoddle.com, lend.hoddlehoddle.com as well. This rip, Last but not least, was brought to you by our good friends at CrowdHealth, okay? CrowdHealth is here to help you eliminate parasitic third parties in the healthcare industry. If you want to take your healthcare into your own hands, you can go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC for a special offer for you freaks. Uh, where if you use the code TFTC during sign up, the first thousand members, the first thousand of you sign up are going to receive a discounted membership of $99 a month for the first six months. Okay. Crowd health, basically it is a new model for taking care of your healthcare expenses. You pay a monthly fee into a dedicated bank account that is yours that you control that you can walk away with at any point in time. Uh, and if you ever have a medical expense, you put your bill up to CrowdHealth, there's very good privacy. They're not the other people on the platform aren't going to know who you are. They're just going to know what you need in terms of uh, medical care. Uh, you pay the first five hundred dollars of any bill, and then after that, uh, the bill goes out to the CrowdHealth community, and um, it gets crowdfunded. And the best part about this model is again, it's going to uh, get you more accurate healthcare pricing. CrowdHealth goes and negotiates on your behalf, which the insurance companies are supposed to do, but uh, as many of you know, they're not really good at it. Uh, And so CrowdHealth is going to be there to help drive down prices for your healthcare. And then the CrowdHealth community is going to be there to help you cover your healthcare costs. They've had 100% of their bills, their customer bills paid by the crowd. Uh, There's a special Bitcoin crowd where you're going to pay your monthly fee 
uh, portion of that is going to go in fiat to that bank account. And then they're partnering, partnering with a, a, the Bitcoin exchange as well, a Bitcoin only exchange to put some of that monthly payment into Bitcoin as well to hold in Bitcoin over the course of your uh, your engagement with CrowdHealth. Okay, so that you can speculative attack your future healthcare costs. It's a beautiful thing. And again, like I said, these monthly payments are going into a dedicated bank account that you own. So it's not just some black box where you pay a month, monthly fee and you hope that you get covered in the future. Um, at any point, if you decide to leave CrowdHealth, you have that bank account that you own, you can take that money with you. You get it back and the Bitcoin as well. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Again, the first thousand members will receive a discounted membership of $99 a month for the first six months. It's not hard to, to sign up either. It's not hard to leave your, uh, your health insurance plan. You can, you can do it very easily. The crowd health team is here to help you do that. You can sign up, book an appointment to speak with the crowd health representative. It'll, it'll tell you everything you need to know about how their product works. It's a beautiful thing. I'm using it myself. I've decided I don't like the health insurance racket anymore. I, uh, I've got a family. I'm going to go with CrowdHealth. Join CrowdHealth.com slash TFTC. Enjoy this rip of RHR. It's great to talk with Jack Maller. It's always a pleasure. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts... All, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Gentlemen, have you been getting any, any sleep over there? Barely. Not really. It's always light outside here. What uh? What's up, freaks? We're back for Rabbit Hole Recap, Rip 201. Obviously, myself and Matt are here, but we're joined by Jack Mallers this week. Jack, how the fuck have you been, sir? Yo, I am uh, fantastic. Better than usual because of the last three days, which I think we'll discuss. But uh, I was telling your almighty crew before you hit record, uh, it doesn't matter if I end up being the president of the United States, uh, RHR will always be a fanboy moment for me. So <laughs> it's an honor and a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, huge fan, huge fan. Well, the, uh, the feeling is mutual. The, the fandom goes both ways here. We always love having you on the show. And yeah, let's discuss. You guys are drinking beers. You're in Norway right now. You were just at the Oslo Freedom Forum all week, arming dissidents and freedom fighters with Bitcoin knowledge. What's it been like? I don't like the term dissidents. Okay, I'm sorry. I feel like dissidents is what is like the negative version of activists. Okay, activist. We'll go with activist. Um, it's it's always it's always special. Did you go to the one in Miami last year? I did not make it. No. Um. So this was my uh, I guess my second Oslo Freedom Forum, uh my third HRF event, because I went to one in New York, one in Miami, and then this one in Oslo um, over the last three years. I've been working with like the HRF activists uh, or the activists the HRF supports uh, since early 2020. And it's to me, it's always 
it's one of the most rewarding things I do in Bitcoin. It reminds me of why the work we do is important. It reminds me of why tools like Bitcoin are so crucial to have in terms of preserving freedom and allowing people to choose their own destiny. And it's just, it just really puts everything into perspective. It just, it's not, I, to me, it's always like the best Bitcoin event because it's not a Bitcoin event. Uh, it's a human event about freedom. Um, but I'll let Jack go into it because Jack, this was your first time, right? Yeah. Yeah, this was my first. Um, boy, I don't know how to articulate it uh, to do it justice. One of the one-liners I've used to describe it to my parents is, uh, everything I thought I cared about in life, I care about a lot less, if that makes any sense. Um, it was that moving uh, of an experience for me personally. And uh, I don't know, some of like the most special relationships in life is when you mutually look up to each other, right? Like that's almost what you want out of things like a marriage. <laughs> and uh, it is that level uh, of mutual respect and, and benefit where... Uh, to be a Bitcoiner and look up to activists that are fighting uh, in such a brave, courageous way for uh, the global fight for freedom. And then the way that they look at us and like, man, you all have superpowers and an ability to use a uh, sovereign, distributed, uh, censorship resistant, uncensorable, unfreezable asset like like you do. And it's just a really, uh, it's really special. It's like one of those things where I remember before I went on stage, Gladstein was like, hey, buddy, just remember you're not explaining that this is better than Visa this time. And uh, that hit me like right in the left side of the chest, man. It, it is. It's like that. It, it is. It's the delta between those two. It's uh, it's huge and it's hard to articulate. So I'm super humbled uh, to be here. I haven't uh, listened this much and not spoken <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> So I don't know if that made any sense, but that's how I feel. Well, I think that's important to get into. Like what was being discussed? How, how how much do these people that you've been having discussions with all week need Bitcoin? What are some of the problems that they're experiencing? What are some of the stories that you guys have heard this week? So um, first of all, uh, to the freaks, this is going to be a short and tight rip because um, we're currently on a working retreat uh, that HRF and CT have kindly uh, put together uh, with Bitcoiners and activists so we can work with them on, on, on helping further you know, goals in terms of education and tools. Uh, so our schedule is in flux. And that's also the reason why uh, yesterday the rip didn't happen because I'm trying to like the schedule is just constantly flowing. We're just working. We're 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 trying to understand each other, trying to understand how uh, things are moving forward, uh, how best to move forward. And uh, anyway, that is why it didn't happen yesterday. That's why RHR didn't happen yesterday. But we have to bring RHR every week. Uh, so here we are today on Friday, but it is going to be a tight rip. Um, so this year was the evolution of uh, what Alex um, and I've been helping him with since 2020 in terms of trying to bring Bitcoin into the HRF, um, the HRF sphere, HRF's work. So first off, if you haven't seen it, 
You can go to oslofreedomforum.com and you can watch all the talks. I suggest you watch them. They're extremely powerful. Um, so the talks were mostly from human rights activists around the world talking about their stories, completely not focused on Bitcoin, uh, even though they have pain points that obviously Bitcoin can help fix or help mitigate. Um, and then there was also a separate Bitcoin Academy sessions where we taught uh, activists hands-on, you know, how to use Bitcoin. We went from zero to one in terms of using Moon Wallet, uh, installing it, installing it, receiving Bitcoin, spending Bitcoin, backing up, restoring. Uh, I had a privacy session. There was a BTC Pay session. Uh, we talked about CBDCs and what the impacts could be. Um, but back to the human rights side. Uh, so I spoke to um, a Chinese activist named uh, Joe Her, and she is a Uyghur. And her father was just thrown in jail, thrown in jail for a life sentence for fighting for civil rights. They called him a separatist. They called him a revolutionary and they threw him in jail. And just to show like the kind of scope that these people have to deal with, her cousin was was thrown in jail uh, for a tenure a tenure sentence, I believe, four years ago, and it was because her cousin was driving down the road and she hit a checkpoint and they asked her for her phone and she refused to give them her phone, so they arrested her and then they took her phone and then they found the father's picture on it and they were like, "You're support you're supporting a separatist," so they threw her in jail for ten years. So when we talk, start to talk about like how Bitcoin can work with these in these situations, you know, their threat models, a lot of their threat models are, are way, way, way different than someone who's living in the United States. I mean, I mean, there was a picture on her phone. And she got 10 years in jail. So if, you know, if you have a if you have a mobile wallet on your phone, let alone talking about Bitcoin privacy issues, but you have a mobile wallet on your phone and they see it, maybe it's compromised or maybe you go to jail because of it. Right. So that is uh pretty insane. Um, on a more positive note, I had a really long conversation with uh, Roya, who was working and continues to work outside of Afghanistan for Afghanistan, but she's uh, an Afghani who has been paying women, um, women who have worked for her in Bitcoin that are Afghani women who otherwise couldn't have a bank account uh, without a man opening it or a family member opening it for them. Um, she's successfully been paying them in Bitcoin. Uh, she came into and she started her work, uh, uh, you know, like a decade ago. And then as and then after and then a lot of that included education. She did a lot of education. She, you know, she helped. She helped educate a lot of women, young girls, how to use Bitcoin in Afghanistan. And then when the Taliban took over, a lot of them were very prepared for handling that situation when they otherwise wouldn't have been. And she talked to like, she has friends who um, were sophisticated businessmen, politicians that dismissed Bitcoin, who lost everything when the Taliban took over, that they escaped with just a backpack. But these young girls who otherwise would have been excluded from the financial system in Afghanistan were more prepared than, than those men, um, which just kind of goes to show you that if you have this situation, if you if you prepare ahead of time, if you prepare and try and learn how to use the tools ahead of time and you have this education effort ahead of time, and all of a sudden during these times of chaos and upheaval, 
like Bitcoin really can provide a substantial um, improvement over your situation than otherwise. Yeah. It's a, it's intense stuff to think about. Like, so having had this experience, what as Bitcoiners going back and building and educating people via strike and via our platform here at RHR and Citadel Dispatch and everything else you do, Matt, like what in is top of your minds coming back from, from this trip of, of things that, that you'd like to see come to market or bring to market yourselves? I mean, I, 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 the, the, mo- the most important thing is perspective. The most important thing is perspective and to realize that there's people around the world that are in way worse situations than you are. To be very grateful for our position and our situation and, um, and our security, right? Just like I'm, I'm all I can think all the time, you know, is that I'm just extremely grateful. And uh, in terms of actually using Bitcoin to help these types of these people that are in these, you know, oppressive, oppressive countries. I think it's important to build tools that are, are geared to their uh, situations. And so like, for instance, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations. I got to meet Dario for the first time, uh, a moon wallet with two U's <laughs> and that, you know, like Dario, it's like, it's really interesting, right? Because he's a lifelong Argentinian. Right. So he actually he's not using a wallet made by Americans for Argentinians. He's using he made a wallet as an Argentinian that attempts to solve the pain points that he sees Argentinians face every day and that he faced every day. Right. And so he has real world use case use cases that he's actually gearing his particular trade off model for that wallet when he built it. Right. And um, I talked to uh, Abubakar from Nigeria, who's on the B-Trust board, um, and he's working on a lot of education efforts. And I talked to Fode uh, from Senegal, who's working on a lot of efforts. And they're both, and they're working with Bernard, uh, Bra, Bitnob, and the three of them are trying to create, they have this program called Kala uh, with a Q, and they're trying to create uh, more developers in Africa with the idea that having developers in Africa, building Bitcoin wallets in Africa for Africans ends up with wallets and options that are geared specifically for their situation, right? So I think it's important for us to empower people from around the world who are working on building tools on top of Bitcoin, because one of the cool parts about Bitcoin, as Jack always says, is that it's open monetary network, right? So Everyone can use it in different ways. It's a protocol at the end of the day, right? And and for people to have the option to use it in different ways, because most people aren't programmers, they it's important that we have people from around the world building different types of tools with different types of trade-offs geared to the people that they live around, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, um, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why I'm extremely excited to see what Eric and Obi are doing with Fediment. I think that model, Obi bringing his perspective, uh, being a Nigerian. Um, hope I got that right. Fediment is absolutely perfect. Fediment is absolutely perfect for these activists. And I, I, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it because I just haven't shut the fuck up about Fediment for the last <laughs> week. Um, and 
I mean, we we've had many conversations with Obi this week. I'll just put it that way. And okay. uh, it's it it's very exciting. It's just uh, I'm curious, Jack. Like, what's your takeaways? Like, how do you? Um. So I, I mean, to add on to some of the activist stories, uh, spent a lot of time with a super sweet lady uh, from Ukraine who used uh, Bitcoin. She spun up a BTC Pay server, and she was able to be then interoperable with the entire planet uh, in receiving a bare instrument that settled instantly to no cost to her. There are no chargebacks. There was no settlement delays. It wasn't expensive. And she actually used Bitcoin as a global payment rail that increases the velocity of money and an ability to hyper-raise in a time of extreme crisis where every second mattered. And to people to her left and her right, they were maybe raising uh, money for four to five helmets a week uh, for soldiers, for example, and she was raising 400 to 500. And it was actually because she was using a superior payment rate. It was because those that were using the legacy rails, if they even had access to them, uh, they couldn't actually collect and use the funds until the old payment systems cleared them, right? The two to seven day settlement times and maybe one donation, you only get 80% of it. And so you need, you know, if you 20% fees, you spend that money five times, the money's gone. <laughs> right. And, and so that was an example of a global uh, bare instrument that does not give you counterparty risk settlement delays. It's extremely cheap and increases the velocity of the money and no one could stop her. She used to be DC server. So let's use that instance on my far left. On my far right, I got to share the stage with Fode and there's also a sweetheart uh, here from Togo and uh, their currency is uh, run, managed uh, by France, by the French. And they're in Africa. And so they told stories where, you know, I spent some time in El Salvador um, and El Salvador didn't have their own currency, uh, but it's the US dollar, which is arguably the most powerful fiat currency in the world, the world's reserve currency. Um, these stories were horrifically worse. It was overnight, I lost half my wealth. And the amount of hope that's deprived in me what the fuck? What, why do I? Why should I go to the gym? Why should I study and do my homework? Doesn't matter. I could bust my ass and work as hard as I can, be the greatest guy I know myself to be, and it doesn't matter. My life's not in my control. In fact, it's not even in my own government's control. It's sitting somewhere in France. And so, those are two really polar opposite uses of Bitcoin. Um, and like one of the takeaways I had was, uh, money is as dangerous uh, and powerful a weapon for evil as it is uh, a tool for prosperity and peace. Um, it's an extremely sharp knife and it can cut both ways. And for that very reason, it was a violent reminder to me that, that the, the role and function of money should never ever be delegated to any group or any person. And that our species was at peak when that was delegated to an instrument like gold and when that was taken from us, that's why Bitcoin is so important is relieving our species really just terrifying relationship with trusted relationships that govern and perform the function of money. Um, and so you want to know people that aren't interested in the proof of stake trade-offs, right? You want to keep right. I mean, it was the most violent reminder of, uh, 
what we're trying to do. And, you know, the separation from money and states, it's uh, delegating the function of money um, away from a, a special group that Gladstein has always saying since I've been here, over 50 percent of the world lives under an authoritarian regime. And that means over 50 percent of the world can use money as a weapon to suppress harm and sometimes kill people. And there's nothing we could do about it if we don't have Bitcoin. And so it also was very, I was angered um, in some of the discussions about proof of stake and shit coins, because it's one thing to show your bags. It's another thing to try and deprive humanity of the only tool that half the world has to live a quality of life that isn't suffering and sometimes death. And so that's what I got to say. Um, very emotional, man. Um, and uh, yeah, again, is one of the most humbling trips you think you care about <laughs> uh, going to the club and meeting a hot chick until uh, until you have experiences like this. So that's that's what's on my mind. Yeah, and just I mean, obviously, I haven't been yet, but as an outsider looking in at the schedule that Alex has put together and the Human Rights Foundation has put together, it's extremely encouraging. Because I and this is top of mind for me because I wrote about it last night in the Ben, but like it, it, Bitcoin provides individuals the world over with the ability to take action and actually build tools to fight against a weaponized monetary system, which the fiat system is around the world. And I think that is one thing I like about the Oslo Freedom Forum specifically is again just arming these activists with knowledge and the tools to begin building back artillery in the digital world. Maybe I don't want to use like bombastic military language. Army and artillery. <laughs> I know. We're, we're, Give them... we're training and helping activists <laughs> yes. use a powerful defensive technology there we go. Himself. This is why I have you on. The, this is why we, there's two parts to this show. You you help bring bring uh, real in my uh, my uh, lapse in judgment with vernacular here. But no, again, like we that's the beauty of Bitcoin, and we've seen it throughout our experiences with Bitcoin. Is like it's providing us with the tools to to build our defensive technologies in the digital realm that can help us combat this terrible situation that billions of people around the world find themselves in. And obviously, uh, we do have a significant amount of comfort here in the United States where we're all from. And it is weird to think that even though we have all this comfort, we're still angry at the system that we live under. Um, and I'm extremely glad of what Alex and uh, the Human Rights Foundation have, have done to, to really push to the fore, like, hey, you guys think you have it bad billions of people around the world have it considerably worse. And you may think Bitcoin's important, but it is extremely, extremely important for, for these individuals if they want to yeah. bring themselves into a free world. Yeah. And you know, like what was also fascinating for me, I actually I probably should ask Gladstein before I came on here, but I know he tweeted it, so I can at least allude to it, is uh, going to the parliament. Yeah, you can talk about this. I yeah, think. I was actually yeah, going to okay. ask you because you 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 were part of that contingency that went went into the Norwegian Parliament, correct? Yeah, and uh, again, it was just such a, a violent reminder to me, and in such an educational experience, and so humbling to where it's one thing to you know, and not I'm not co quoting anyone in the Parliament, and I'm not the point I want to make is uh, it it's not it's not a uh, 
hey, hey, Federal Reserve, uh, go fuck yourself. And you guys are criminals and such. And, and listen, like, I'm not going to speak on my own opinion on that. And there are people who believe whatever they want. The point is, though, I think we have general consensus that um, over half of the world, authoritarians all over the globe uh, have an ability to use money and the existing financial system as a weapon, as a weapon to harm and to kill. And the fight for global freedom is very binary, Marty. You're either fighting on the right side or the wrong side. And so it was amazing to be able to educate people, not with, hey, listen, this is a money that can't be inflated. Hey, listen, this is a better version of Visa. It's, hey, listen, this is the most powerful tool and really the only shot we got at solving this problem. And you're either fighting for freedom or you're standing in the way. Don't peer over your yacht and look at the life rack and be, ooh, ooh, that one, that doesn't look like they have a private chef on there. Hey, asshole. Maybe it wasn't built for you. In fact, don't just turn your back and go fill up your champagne glass. Maybe help the person, maybe dive into the water and help them on the fucking lifeboat so that's a lifeboat so that one day they can get on the yacht. You know, have you ever considered it wasn't built for you? So the whole concept of I don't necessarily like how much energy is used. Well, guess what? I'll hang dry my clothes before I deprive people of the only hope they got. And it was the most violent way of Bitcoin's year. And if creating money was free, there'd be a lot of it. It'd be hyperinflated. It'd be political. And delegation to who has power would turn to violence. And so tell me again why using energy to relieve our relationship with trust to perform that function is a bad idea. Look at this woman from Togo whose father's been in and out of prison and whose life's been deprived of any form of happiness and tell her you don't like how Bitcoin's using energy. In fact, to take my yacht example, how about you look at your energy grid and the fact that Bitcoin has great energy uses, it stabilizes the grid, and that you could plug a Bitcoin miner near a waterfall. I don't want to plug my washing machine near a waterfall. I don't want to live in a fucking washing machine. But a Bitcoin miner can. How about you take a more progressive, active approach? How about that? And it's the total change of narrative. It's one thing to hedge the Fed's CPI. It's another thing to save half of the planet. How about that? And it was a total change of conversation. It was like, you know what? (laughs) Proof of work is the only way we've been able to solve this problem. Let's not dissuade people away from it. (laughs) And let's take a closer look at how we can maybe be helpful and lean over the yacht and see who's drowning over there and who needs to get on. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's incredible that you're having that conversation with the Norwegian parliament. You have the Oslo Freedom Forum where you're working with these activists and then the juxtaposition of all this going on in Oslo as the, the World Economic Forum meets in Davos and you have their projection of what they want to bring to the world. And it's an incredible juxtaposition of the freedom that you described, Jack, and the panopticon that, that that World Economic Forum crew would like to throw us in. There's a lot of CBDC talk, a lot of uh, great reset talk, and just the fact that that's getting all the press in the mainstream. That's what everybody's talking about on Twitter, but you have this really grassroots movement where all the signal actually is in Oslo going on at the same time. 
You just you just said CBDCs, which reminded me. Um, I mentioned in passing before. I, you know, tech, uh, to at the at the Freedom Forum, we had the first ever panel on CBDCs at a human rights event, um, and I was joined by Lisa uh, Nigat, um, aka Nifty Nay, Matt Mazinkis, uh, aka Crypto Voices, and Janine, who I got to meet in person finally, which was fucking baller, and I got to meet Hoddle not in person too. Like two of my favorite. Uh, Two of my favorite people that I'm, I had no idea what they look like, and I finally got to meet them in person, so I really fucking fanboyed over it, which is really <laughs> exciting. Um, but talking about like the dangers of CBDCs, he mentioned Togo. You know, in Togo, not only do they have this this um, colonial franc, which, by the way, the French switched to the euro, right? They don't have a colonial euro. They're still... Like, not only was the colonial franc substandard to the euro, they don't even have, you know, they didn't have a, a choice or option to move to the euro, let alone to their own currency. Um, in Togo, if you have over $3,000 of a currency that's not uh, the colonial franc, that's a fucking crime. What? So it just goes to show you, like, for, you know, maybe in America, for some people, they feel like financial privacy isn't important. Uh, but in this case, right over in Togo, if, and, and in a world with CBDCs, it'd be even worse. If you're, if, if you're not able to obscure how much of a certain kind of currency you have or use or your transaction history, um, you could be inherently criminalized and sent to jail for it. That's yeah. I mean, you can't have, if you have more than $3,000 in another currency, it's illegal. Yep. Because they, because they know the, the like the colonial franc is literally designed to dump forever, yeah. like more so than a regular fiat currency. Because at least like a regular fiat currency, like your citizens don't want like money that like is so obviously going down. But if they're like your subjects over in Africa and the twelve countries in Africa that are forced to use this thing, then you don't give a shit. So you literally just use it to steal all of their steal all of their resources and just have it you just completely have it just go down in value over time over and over again. Like by design. Literally by design, they don't even really fucking hide it. So so who who would use that currency unless you force people to use it under threat of of violence. Yeah, that's straight up currency enslavement there. Like think think about that like the yeah. the the basis of human flourishing is being able to accumulate capital for yourself and deploy it in the future, depriving people from their ability to, to accumulate more than $3,000 of a particular currency is literally enslavement. Yeah, it's theft. Yeah, but it, it, I went through this mental exercise. Well, in bed, theft of what, though? What are they stealing? It's like stealing your soul, stealing your life, stealing your ability to live with purpose. If I have to work for currency and you get to create it for free, then everything I do in theory in my life is then worthless. It's an unbelievable. And just to be clear, before I get myself in trouble, because um, I know Bitcoin Twitter, that was not, I wasn't calling people in the parliament assholes. In fact, they there was a lobby to ban uh, proof of work mining and or whatever, and, and it didn't go through and they were just looking to learn. But it's people like uh, Sam Bank- Bankman-Fried, I have no problem calling out by name. Uh, it's people like that, like, hey, hey, buddy, I dare you to fly a Togo and look this girl in the eye and tell her um, that you don't like proof of work because the CFTC told you so. 
right? It's that type of attitude um, is ability to steal the soul of really innocent, good people. That's the other thing too, man. Like I haven't met a bad person since I landed. Um, so, and true. Gladstein uh, deserves, I just want to shout out Alex. Um, it's unbelievable foresight, genius, and then also obviously like the passion um, and life with purpose that that guy lives. But it was as much magic to educate folks here about Bitcoin as it was to educate Bitcoiners about freedom. That's that type of like mutual hero that we both saw each other in each other's eyes. So Gladstein, um, I think he saved humanity many years and hopefully many lives and uh, hopefully a huge leg in the freedom war um, in the span of what, 72 hours. So the guy um, is never going to get the credit he deserves. So and shout out Gladstein. And not only for the freedom war, and this has been an uphill battle for him, right? Because that the HRF is like most people in the HRF are, were not pro Bitcoin. They still are not pro Bitcoin. Like he's been spending, you know, the last four, five, six years trying to slowly integrate it more and more into uh, their work. Um, and I'm pretty sure the first initiative was, you know, like I said, January 2020. Maybe it was a little bit before that. Um, and he's come a long way. And I, now it's not only it's not only the freedom form. Like this working retreat is like the most high signal. Like the people that are here, man. Like people, I mean, uh, like they just make me feel like I'm not doing enough. Like every single person here makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. That is how high signal this group is. Um, talking about real issues, talking about how we can improve these situations and how we can do it with as the, the least amount of pain as possible. Um, and it's just really humbling. The whole thing is just... Uh, if I didn't love you and the freaks, like, I mean, this is just a podcast, right? Like, why am I even doing this podcast? They're all out there. Uh, but uh, I love you guys, and Jack loves you guys. So <laughs> here we are, sitting in the hotel room, right? Like, sitting in the hotel room with the, with the sheets closed, because if I open it, it's so fucking bright outside that you can't see our faces. So, like, we're, like, we're, like, hiding inside so that it's so that you could actually see us. You couldn't steam the curtain first? That'd be waste too much energy. I'm sorry. What do you mean steam the curtain? <laughs> it's a little, oh, it's a little like, wrinkly. I'm messing with you. I don't have a steamer. Like, what, what? You think I travel with a steamer? I'm messing with you. The one thing you said there, Matt, uh, in that, that little rant was that <laughs> we, need to, we need to build this like alongside a decay. You didn't say this exactly, but something along the lines of we need to build this alongside a decaying system where like we need to build so that people have this option as the, yeah. so that's the other thing too. Like not only are these fiat currencies extremely powerful in their ability to uh, unleash evil on the world and constrict freedom globally, um, but they're also losing control of them. And that's uh, like another thing that happened while you guys were at the Freedom Forum this week was Christine Lagarde uh, was at a, in the Netherlands, at a town hall meeting. I don't know why she did this, but we have one clip this week that we're going to pull this clip. But again, it's extremely telling uh, how dire the situation is in the 
traditional financial system and the traditional monetary system. It is becoming glaringly obvious that the central bankers in control of the euro, of the United States dollar, of any other fiat currency around the world are, are themselves losing control of, of what they've built. And so, again, we talked about CBDCs earlier. I believe that's what they would like to replace their dying system with so that they can maintain control. And you know, here's just a, a stunning example of one of the puppet masters of the fiat system just taking the mask off and, and showing that they, they really don't have control of the systems that, that they're running right now. Run a car. To the European Union economies, just started, we would be in a devastated situation. There is this graph about the balance sheet of the European Central Bank and the money that is on there now. And here it is. What I would like to uh, show our viewers and, and ask the question about is, this is going over 8 trillion euros now. Mm -hmm. And isn't what you just told us about the cryptocurrencies, don't we see a gigantic bubble here on your balance sheet with the euro? And isn't this graph very... Nerve-wracking. Well, I can tell you that there is zero crypto assets in the balance sheet of the ECB. That I know. Uh, point number one. Well, I just don't want any ambiguity about it. Yeah. But you have to think in terms of counterfactual. If we had not decided on March 18th, when we put together the pandemic emergency program and then subsequently increased the volume of commitment that we made to the European Union economies, we would be in a devastated situation. So I don't regret any of that move that we took on that day, which was four months into my job, to significantly increase the size of the balance sheet because that's all we had. Yeah. Otherwise, the economy would have collapsed and it would have been even accelerated by a financial crisis. You had to do it. It was so, the COVID crisis. You say that's yes. what we needed to do. But how do you get it It will back? come. It will come. In due course. Yeah. How? <laughs> in due oh. course it will come yeah no, but do you I sleep will... at night when you see this of course I have to sleep at night and I have to worry every morning yeah, yeah. okay over here I was wondering do you own any cryptos yourself we don't I mean we don't have to no, play the rest of this I don't do that do you own any cryptos her son owns cryptos and whatever the plural cryptos. crypto is crypto crypto <laughs> But, I'm not going to argue over the plural of crypto. Continue. No, I, I just thought, again, you guys are over there in Oslo fighting this good fight on behalf of freedom and Bitcoin in the world. And you have Davos going on. And then you have Christine Lagarde coming was out. Was that at Davos? No, this was in the Netherlands, some some town hall that went on um, earlier this week that or last week. Crazy. Yeah, in that due time, not. it will come, it will come. Uh, I would just add that there's a lot of shit corners over at Davos as well. Yes. The big corners were at the big corners were at the Oslo Freedom Forum. The shit corners were at Davos. Yeah. No, but, but again, like to really drive uh, home, you should really drive home. Like these people are losing control of yeah. their fiat monetary systems. The euro balance or the ECB balance sheets exploded above eight trillion euros. Uh, they're saying we needed to do it because of the COVID lockdowns. And but like when you have somebody pressing the president of the European Central Bank, like, all right, like, I understand you, you say you had to do this, but how, how do you unwind this? And they just have no clear answer. And it will come in due course. It will come. It will come. I mean, trust us. Trust the, us. The transcript 
of that clip is unbelievable. Uh, it was only four months into my job, so it's not my fault. I know I'm making it worse, but it was going to crash anyway. So the only way to make it better is to make it worse. Um, do I sleep? I sleep because I physically have to or else I die. <laughs> and yeah, every day I wake up, I'm terrified and worried. Of course I am. That was like my main four takeaways. It's, uh, that, was a, that was an insane clip. Yeah. And again, going back new to job. your job, I've been there every, new, new job, been four months into a new job. Going, going back to your point though, Matt, like it is imperative that we build out Bitcoin and strengthen Bitcoin and educate as many people and equip them with as much, as much knowledge as possible to uh, properly adopt and use Bitcoin because these people are losing control. And that's, again, things seem dire right now. Commodity prices going crazy, food shortages, energy shortages. It's pretty chaotic out there. But I think we do have to rally around Bitcoin and provide an optimistic view of the future. I think that clip particularly highlights, all right, these people are losing control. Do you want to uh, keep depending on them to fix the problem they created? Or do you want to depend on the freedom fighters at the Oslo uh, Freedom Forum who are actually building something uh, with intention in mind and with particular use cases in mind. Do you think Christine Lagarde is going to help out the individuals in Togo who are subjected to the uh, the, the French franc or whatever the currency is called? Um, or do you think she's just going to... Frame. The colonial franc. Or do you think she's going to save her own ass? Like that, that I think I would, in terms of like a narrative and like really putting the options on the table for the public at large, like what you you guys have been doing this week versus Christine Lagarde and the Davos crew uh, doing their thing at the same time. I think from a narrative perspective, we really just need to lean into that. Like, all right, who do you want to build the future? These people or these freedom fighters? So, I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's really uh, poetic that Davos happened at the same time. Uh, usually it doesn't. They, my understanding is they delayed it because of COVID and usually happens around the January time. Um, but I think it was really poetic because it just shows the dichotomy of the current ruling class versus uh, the hope for the future. Because ultimately, Bitcoin is hope. And I just want to reiterate one more time, like the shit corners were in Davos and the big corners were in Oslo. Enough said. SBF, he wasn't there, but He's uh he's pushing. I I like I've been SBF hating on this show. I can't say his last name correctly, so I just say SBF. But yeah, the likes of Bankman Freed. Bankman Freed, that that grifter. Um, that's what I like to refer to him these days. I mean, they just reinvested. I mean, the first name's hard to pronounce too, Sam. They just reinvested in uh, Luna ver two point So they're doing a lot to help the world getting getting these people into to ponzi schemes. Oh, that was fucking tragic, dude. So I was talking to Dario Moonwall with two U's. Um Oh, by the way, I asked him why he named it that and if he regretted it. Uh, <laughs> and uh it's a Star Wars reference. I didn't I didn't I never knew that reference. Apparently it's a Star Wars reference. Um and that's how it's spelled in Star Wars. But anyway, um he told me that so you know how we talk a lot about on the show that that uh, people in Latin America and other places in the developing world really rely on stables. They really rely on stable coins. Uh, and even though like they're inherently unsta not stable long term and 
they're going down in value because they're pegged to the dollar and they require trust so they can have black swan events. Uh, these people demand access to dollars that they couldn't get access to otherwise. Um, you know, two billion people in the world don't have a bank account. One billion people don't have an ID. Um, so they have demand for stables and there's so much, you know, tether FUD and there's so much USDC, uh, concern because it's a regulated U.S. based like Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, uh, stablecoin that a lot of just like working class Argentinians were, were in Terra, like a lot. And they all got wiped the fuck out. And, and Dario was like, you know, it, it is absolutely horrible to fucking see it. Um, and then you see them like basically come to that, that realization. They're like, shit, this was that risk. This was the risk that people were telling me like, oh, you don't have the Bitcoin volatility, but at any moment, like you're trusting this third party that can, if the thing could just fucking blow up. Um, but the way he told me about it is just absolutely tragic. And I, I know like I bring it up because you said Luna 2.0, but, and I know like we were like talking, we we're talking about how like we couldn't imagine that all these guys that pretend they're so smart, like the hedge funders and the Raul Pauls who are like, oh, risk-free 20%, like got rugged um, and got wrecked and got blown up. But I mean, they can all go fuck themselves and they got what was coming to them, but it really like, like working class and poor people like did not deserve that. They did not deserve getting like absolutely destroyed. And they couldn't understand that trade-off model. They couldn't understand the risks they were putting them under. They, they didn't realize that they just, they thought they were buying something that represented us dollar. And then they woke up the next morning and they had fucking no money. Yeah. That's why I'm becoming more convinced that we need to more aggressively call out these grifters. I mean, people will call us toxic Bitcoin maximalists, but having been through these cycles for eight years now, I think it's, it's these people will say, Oh, we're experimenting. Let, Experiments flourish, let the free market decide. But at the end of the day, the Novas of the world, uh, the SBFs of the world, they know exactly what's happening. And they know that the, the likelihood of any of these projects succeeding is, is so low that it is irresponsible for them to be pushing this shit. On a, there's, not, there's not a little, I was going to say glass half full. Uh, how about glass not entirely empty? <laughs> uh, how about that? Um, two things. I know that I'm an OG fan of this podcast, so I know this may be a hot take, but I am more and more do think that the SEC's got to do something. Nah, fuck that. No, 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 no. It's not because it's not because I think they need to do something. But what you're going to continue to witness, I think that there's a serious conversation to be had, is that you can't feel devastated for these people but then believe in uh, no regulation of this stuff because you're going to get it, it's here, here's my problem. Effectively central banks, the perverted risk tolerance across everything. You've had people in the Chicago theater and the things on fire. You got to get out in the street, but they're kids, they're toddlers for the last, since we left the gold standard, no one's ever had to understand how any of this has worked. Every, it, no one knows what the fuck's going on. And so you have people selling the Malibu mansions that are just tense. And as soon as it rains, they're going to be homeless and they're going to kill themselves. They're gonna, these people running around in the I-94 again, hit by 80 mile an hour cars. And you can't be like, oh God, is that sad? And then be like, all right, well, how about somebody just tells them not to run on the highway? You're like, no, no, fuck that. It's like, well, I guess like you got to pick a side. It's kind of like you want to watch these people get murdered or here's my problem with it. 
Coinbase, Novogratz, these guys are regulated entities that give the legitimacy for the poor in Argentina to buy this shit. And so my problem is, hey, Coinbase, why don't you guys go through proper disclosures of how it works, how it was minted, what central groups have what outside control on the thing so that people have or they're going to or we're going to have to go through manual education, which I'm also fine with. But I'm going to have to watch uh, my fellow men and women get slaughtered to death. Uh, it's just it's kind of like a lose lose situation, in my opinion. It's kind of fucked up. And um, so, yeah, that is a security. The people of Argentina deserve for that not to be listed on Coinbase, not to be pumped by venture capital, to be properly disclosed, or they deserve to get murdered. But like, why should a U.S. regulator be involved in Argentinian commerce? I'm lesser concerned about any particular regulatory body, and it's more about how do we properly disclose what is violently an attack and a scam. If U.S. regulators, if U.S. regulators were less involved and less burdensome and less overbearing and fucking in everyone's business, then maybe they would have a more reputable product that they could use privately rather than relying on some bullshit that came out of the sky. I agree with you, too. I think if U.S. regulators were more favorable towards Bitcoin, didn't force KYC down everyone's throat. Listen, I mean, I, I run regulated business and I mean, I have to follow the law, but I'm not necessarily a fan of all of it. A lot of it's up, right. So I don't think that those are mutually exclusive things. Because the other thing that I thought was kind of hilarious coming from a trading background, especially in Chicago, well, my dad's trading background, it's uh, that Luna got blown up because of market incentives, which is fucking awesome. You saw Ken Griffin come yep. out and say, in more or less words to the SEC, you guys want to protect retail? Give me the regulatory clarity to trade in this market. Because Ken Griffin was like, in more or less words, I'm no fucking Novogratz. I don't make money by issuing shit coins that are illiquid and then dumping bags. I make money by taking on risk and blowing people the fuck out and using my balance sheet that I've accrued over the last 25 years. So you guys want to really protect retail? Let me in this place because I will nuke this. I will drag all the pieces of shit. I'll blow them out by the shed and put them in the garbage bag and take them out to the alley. That was more or less what he said. And so anyway, my point is like, do I think that the U.S. needs to step in? No, of course not. Do I think that these people are you're, you're putting toddlers into the street looking for homes and you've got venture capitalists selling them pictures of a monkey drooling on themselves like man this malibu mansion (laughs) man you get the deal it's fucked up and yeah let ken griffin's in give us the regulatory clarity to disclose proper bullshit and let people use the market incentives to clean the house like ken griffin is going to borrow eth if they put on proof of stake and short that thing and blow it the fuck out of the water like that's i don't know that's a I think it's a worthy conversation. In my he, he may not even it. he may not even have the opportunity to do that. He's fucking puking right now. That's another thing. It seems like <laughs> it seems like there is a like a market reaction to like the terror blow blow up and all these shit coins falling. Bitcoin's relative strength compared to shit coins this week has been extremely impressive. It seems like there's an exodus from. I think you said that we dumped. Can yeah, I reply to that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I see. Uh, this is the free market. It's Zorn one hundred and one commented. This is the free market. Is the poor's responsibility to figure it out? So, I don't disagree with that. I'm all for it. I just think the conversation's worthwhile. Because hear me out. The system is designed so that if you were poor, 
you get exponentially poorer. And if you're rich, you get exponentially richer. All you have to do is have enough non-working capital to hold assets and the system's designed for those to accrue against the dollar. So if you hold anything that's not the dollar, it's going to get inflated. And it's another way of saying your house is going to go up, your Bitcoin is going to go up, your stock portfolio is going to go up. And if you cannot afford to hold assets, you're designed to get poorer because those things will inflate and you will continually get further and further away from being able to hold them. So my problem with that comment, although I have no problem with that being the reality of the world, I think it's worth a conversation, though, is that someone was probably very much born into forcibly being poor unless they got tremendously lucky. And then we're kind of like, yeah, free market, figure it the fuck out. <laughs> it's kind of like, figure what out? Like, I kind of have forcefully been poor because of the system I was born into. So I'm, I, I know both sides and I know the show and the audience in particular. Just saying, you know the guy sitting next to you too. I'm just saying, <laughs> it, it may be worth something, but I mean, look, I mean, I, look, I, I think the world we're moving towards is a world where you can't ask a single country's government to step in to do like be world police and do things, mm. and I think it will be for the better ultimately. Um, and so, if we're talking about a world with personal responsibility, it goes both ways, like people you know, who were uneducated, who are getting onboarded into the so-called crypto ecosystem um, in Argentina and other other developing countries um, have a personal responsibility to understand the trade-offs that they're dealing with and understand the risks that they're taking. But also as Bitcoiners, you know, we have a personal responsibility here. And I would say to the greater crypto ecosystem has a personal responsibility here. But I mean, I just don't have any faith in them whatsoever. and They can go fuck themselves. Um, we have a personal responsibility here to educate people on these risks and to build tools so that they choose not to go down dangerous Matt, paths. Matt, you just, they lock, have an you just lock it up and get 20% risk-free yield. It's that simple. That's the no, risk. It's I risk-free. Mean, no, these, no, these people are bad act. Like again, like, I've been saying, right? like in a free market, right? That's, that's what it comes like. And well, if we have a proper free market, if we end up in a proper free market, that's what has to happen, right? Like good people have to come out. And they have to educate people on the risk. They have to provide tools that give them options that are not risky like that. And and they have to act in an ethical and an ethical way. Like it, you just like it, if if you remove violence from the equation, like the only thing you can count on is good people acting in a way to to try and improve the world, right? Like what else do you have unless unless you want to rely on violence? No, no I agree. And I've, I've been in, I'm like, I've, like, there was a period probably over the last couple of years where all the shit coiners being like, you're just a toxic Bitcoin maxi, like stop like shitting on everything. I just got exhausted of doing it. I was like, you know, and I'm just going to focus on Bitcoin. But like the last couple weeks, last month in particular, it's like, no, like these people, like, like the Novos, the Rao Pauls, uh, even like Suzu and like everybody pushing like the merge and Ethereum, like they're, they're, they're pushing people to to get wrecked, and I, I am getting. I, I've gotten very angry the last few weeks, like having heard similar stories to the Argentines losing their value overnight. Like there was a bunch of people in the Philippines who fell for Terra as well. Poor people uh, just got absolutely wrecked, and then you have like the Novos of the world come out and be like, "Crypto is going to survive." It's like, no, you are leading people to slaughter, and you need to be called out. And like the class of a uh, big dick investor in the crypto space is complete fucking disgrace. These people need to be called out vigorously 
and aggressively like sorry Udi like uh, I'm not here to like play nice with like other other experiments if you will like there's people losing a material amount of money and like again like the situation is very high stakes right now again you have the traditional financial system crumbling because the fiat monetary system is printing way too much debt and we have one not one we have a shot to provide people with an alternative that can actually make their lives better and you have all these crypto assholes confusing the fuck out of everybody and pushing people extremely far out on the the yield curve that it sours them to bitcoin and like we i think bitcoiners have done a good job of this historically but i think we need to make an even bigger push to completely separate ourselves from that crypto nonsense because it does do the small guy a a, a mass disservice at the end of the day right yeah no i agree and i'm uh oh, that we lose them. my oh, bad i gotta scroll up uh the zorn 101 um i agree man he said uh he was born on zero and it was his job i don't disagree i knew i was born on zero is my job to sort it out the sec hates me and you asking them for help is like asking someone who has no incentive to help you to help just my two cents your two cents is super valid that's a hundred cents i don't disagree it just sucks man (laughs) i'm sitting here at the fucking freedom forum and i'm hearing these poor people get rubbed and uh it sucks it the thought crossed my mind it did um i bitcoin doesn't need it bitcoin's gonna win no matter what happens uh but uh but uh yeah i don't know no more humbling audience than to uh than this crowd i don't i don't I don't have the the uh, the comments the live comments up anymore on the stream unless Car pulls them up. I'm just feeling. It can get distracting. All, all, I, all I can say is all I can say is this last week I've just I'm left feeling grateful and humbled and I I just I, people should people should watch the Oslo Freedom Forum yeah uh, videos they should go to OsloFreedomForum.com and they should watch the videos. You guys got to wrap um, you guys got to wrap up here. I've got one shout out and then I've got one question boom. for Jack. Um, Marty, Perfect. Matt, and Carr, thank you for providing valuable and insightful information on a weekly basis. It's difficult to describe the personal transformation I've made over the past couple of years while driving down the rabbit hole and listening to TFTC, RHR, and Citadel Dispatch. Although the story isn't anything new at this point, it goes without saying that the future would look extremely bleak without Bitcoin as one of those Excel sheet jockeys sitting under neon lights. That is so often described in her show. My top priorities have quickly shifted to finding a Bitcoin-only job and providing value to the space in my community, even if that just means orange-pilling my parents. Done. Thankfully, I've been banned from the office due to certain medical choices, giving me more time to pursue these goals. Additionally, thank you for calling out so much of our clown world, but please don't call the peak again. Also, shout out to Mayors, who first suggested TFTC to me. We're going to win from Cape. Thank you, Cape. Shout out, shout out, Mayors, and appreciate you, freak. I know Mayors very well. I was in his well. Oh, you actually know? Oh, yeah. awesome! One of my oh, first, fuck yeah, one of my first friends to uh, to actually listen to me and buy Bitcoin. Shout out to Mayors. Oh, fuck yeah! I love you, brother. Um, and then yeah, you guys got to get to dinner, but want to wrap it up with this? Maybe a a, a more lighthearted question. Did you have I'm the chance? No, no. Did you have the chance to sit down and talk to Gary Kasparov as a as a chess? Enthusiasts. No, they're making fun of Marty's pants. Oh, they I can't mean, see your pants, bro. It's the white pants. Right? <laughs> it's the white pants. 
They're, they're Jack hot. has never had comments while he's recording, so he's really mesmerized. I by am. Our, you remember you when it? we first started doing the Matt, live? why do you have the comments up? Why do you have the comments up? I tell you to not have the comments up. It's because distracting. It's, the, we're it's with distracting. The it's, a, it's an important aspect of RHR, the live chat, and I, I know. appreciate them all. I know. Um, I did meet Gary. It was the coolest thing ever. I won't make this story too long, but I met him. And uh, he was the first guy to fully understand the title, The King's Gambit, which was my talk at the Bitcoin conference. Um, he's a Bitcoiner. Uh, we exchanged contact info. We're going to do something that involves both chess and Bitcoin. Uh, he's on our team. And uh, the coolest thing ever is before I went on stage at the conference with Fode, I tossed him a very casual E4 and he replied with a C5. And we must have blindfold blitzed out like, 15 moves before i had to go on so he's a bitcoiner uh he's the man and a freedom fighter he's a better freedom fighter than he is bitcoiner and that says a lot so yes hopefully that answers the question oh yeah well gentlemen thank you for the work that you did this week educating and arming Oh God, not arming, educating and providing uh activist <laughs> with with bitcoin knowledge and tools go enjoy your dinner uh, get back safe to the States and Jack, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure, sir. Always. No, I'm a, I'm a fanboy. This is huge. I just, <laughs> I, I just want to say a huge, Oh, you just 